0: This is your host, Scott Singer, and you are now tuned in to Biofuels Daily. It is Thursday, December 5th. Just like some Mentos dropped into a 2 liter of Coke, today's stories are a real blast. Our first story today comes out of Sao Paulo, Brazil. Moody's Investor's Service has determined that a higher demand for ethanol and Renova Bio will benefit Brazilian sugarcane producers. Rising ethanol consumption and the implementation in 2020 of Renova Bio, a federal program to curb carbon emissions by 10% in 2028, in line with the UN Paris Agreement on Climate Change, will benefit Brazil's sugarcane industry, says Moody's Investors Service in a new report. Domestic demand favored by Renova Bio will be the main driver for the industry growth, says Moody's Vice President and Senior Analyst, Eric Rodriguez. The economic incentive provided by Renova Bio will help with a resumption of investments in the sugar ethanol sector, allowing Brazil to recuperate crushing levels which have been stagnated in the last few years, adds Rodriguez. Under Renova Bio, tradable carbon credits, known as CBIOs, will be granted to certified producers generating an extra revenue source. On the other hand, fuel distributors will meet their annual carbon emissions reduction targets through the purchase of CBIOs. At the same time, ethanol margins have become increasingly sensitive to oil price fluctuations. The correlation between international oil prices and Brazilian ethanol prices has increased since 2017, after domestic gasoline prices began to incorporate more periodically the changes in import parity. But Brazil's low production cost helps local ethanol production to remain competitive even under stresses of oil prices. Large sugarcane producers, raisin, Etta Coagro and Sao Martino have, provi- have proved their strength during the challenging moments for the industry in Brazil and are set to benefit from the increase in demand. If you're interested in this Moody's report, please go to www.moody's.com forward slash research document content page uh, to, fi- to find out more. Our second story of the day comes out of Washington, D.C., White House economic advisor Larry Kudlow is developing a new plan to bolster biofuel blending requirements after ethanol allies in politically important farm states complained the current proposal doesn't do enough to compensate for waivers, exempting some small refineries from the mandates. Kudlow's involvement was described by five people familiar with the matter who asked not to be named discussing the administration's private deliberations. The effort comes after biofuel producers, corn farmers, and Midwest politicians blasted the Environmental Protection Agency's current approach as inadequate, saying it flouted the terms of an October 1st agreement to raise biofuel blending requirements enough to fully offset refinery exemptions. Biofuel allies say there's no guarantee EPA's formal proposal will completely offset those exemptions because adjustments will be based on recent Energy Department recommendations for waivers, not the higher amount that the EPA has actually granted. Even if EPA leaders have the best intentions, farmers don't believe it, because of the agency's track record, Senator Chuck Grassley, Republican from Iowa, said on December 3rd. Even if your heart is in the right place, your regulation has to show that. The Trump administration has struggled to find a balance between competing oil and biofuel industry interests on the issue. Some previous ideas, once embraced by administration officials, were discarded after criticism from the sectors. Oil industry leaders have portrayed EPA's plan as illegal, arguing it would unfairly force large refineries to bear a disproportionately higher burden of biofuel blending requirements. Kudlow, who has been spearheading work on the issue in the White House for months, is now working with EPA officials to develop the new methodology according to one of the people familiar with the matter. Our third story today comes out of Yale University. Making methanol just got a lot easier now that chemists at Yale have opened up a new electron highway. The discovery, published online on November 27th in the Journal of Nature, finds a novel solution for two chemical tasks, producing methanol, a volatile liquid fuel that is prized by industry and removing carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. Haleong Wang, an assistant professor of chemistry at Yale and member of the Energy Sciences Institute at Yale's West Campus, led the research. A conception of a new catalyst that converts carbon dioxide and water to methanol, The catalyst uses carbon nanotubes to create a highway for electrons. Methanol is used in a variety of products, including antifreeze, paint thinners, and glass cleaners. It is also used to produce biodiesel fuel, plastics, plywood, and permanent pressed clothing. Yale researchers developed a catalyst that converts carbon dioxide and water into methanol using electricity. It's a type of catalyst called a heterogeneous molecular electrocatalyst, or heterogeneous because it's a solid catalyst material operating in a liquid electrolyte and molecular because the active site of the catalyst is a molecular structure. The distinct structure of the new catalyst is the key," Wang said. He and his team anchored individual molecules of cobalt, phthalocyanine onto the surface of carbon nanotubes, nanometer-sized tubes of rolled up graphene layers. The nanotubes act like a highway for electrons creating a rapid and continuous delivery of electrons to the catalytic sites for converting carbon dioxide to methanol. It is a six-electron reduction process, the researchers researchers said, meaning that six electrons are injected into one carbon dioxide molecule. Prior to this discovery, a more limited delivery of electrons, a two-electron reduction process meant molecular catalysts were only able to convert carbon dioxide into products such as carbon monoxide. Heterogenized molecular catalysts allow our group to do new chemistry and known chemistry in better ways, and this is one example, Wang said. Yunxin Wu, a graduate student at Yale, is first author of the study. Co-authors are postdoctoral fellow Zhu Liu of Yale and associate professor Yang Yi Lang and graduate student Zan Jiang of the Southern University of Science and Technology in China. The National Science Foundation is the primary funder for this research. Our fourth and final story of the day, once again, comes out of Washington, D.C. U.S. Senators Dick Durbin, a member of the Senate Committee on Agriculture, Nutrition and Forestry, and Tammy Duckworth, along with Senator Amy Klobuchar, led a public comment letter to U.S. Environmental Protection Agency Administration Andrew Wheeler expressing concern over the proposed supplemental rule establishing the Renewable Fuel Standards, 2020 Renewable Volume Obligations, and 2021 Biomass-based. Diesel volumes, the Renewable Fuel Standard has proven critical to strengthening states' rural and agricultural economies, while also helping to ensure a clean energy future. The senators argued that the proposed rule, which determines how much biofuel is required to be blended into our transportation fuel supply on an annual basis, fails to adequately account for the small refinery exemption waivers, including those given to big oil companies. Since 2016, the Trump administration has granted 85 small refinery exemptions, effectively waiving more than 4 billion gallons of biofuels. Joining Durbin, Duckworth, and Klobuchar on the letter were Senators Debbie Stabenow, Ron Wyden, Sherrod Brown, Michael Bennett, Maisie Hirono, and Tina Smith. The biofuel industry supports hundreds of thousands of rural jobs across the country. This administration's failure to uphold the renewable fuel standard has already led to the closure or idling of more than 35 ethanol and biodiesel plants leaving rural America further behind. To ensure certainty to the marketplace and uphold congressional intent of the Renewable Fuel Standard, we encourage the administration to properly account for waived gallons by using the three-year rolling average of actual small renewable exemptions and to increase advanced biofuel volumes for the 2020 compliance year. Our environment, farmers, and rural communities depend on this corrective action, the Senators wrote. Durbin and Duckworth have introduced a bipartisan bill with Senator Debbie Fisher that would require EPA transparency with small refinery hardship waivers. The full text of the letter can be found below. Dear Administrator Wheeler, We write to comment on the proposed supplemental rule establishing the Renewable Fuel Standards' RFS 2020 Renewable Volume Obligations and 2021 Biomass-Based Diesel Volumes. The Renewable Fuel Standard has proven critical to all of our states, strengthening rural and agricultural economies while helping to ensure a clean energy future. That is why we are concerned that the proposed rule fails to respond adequately to the concerns that have been raised by biofuel producers and others in rural America that depend on certainty in the marketplace. The proposed rule determines how much biofuel is required to be blended into our transportation fuel supply on an annual basis. While we appreciate the EPA's modest increase of total renewable fuel volumes from previous years, This proposed rule fails to assure renewable fuel producers that the proposed blending targets will not be undermined by the approval of future small refinery exemptions. The EPA has asserted publicly that 15 million gallons of conventional biofuel will be required for the 2020 year, yet these proposed volumes fail to account for the expanded use of small refinery exemptions retroactively granted by the agency. Since 2016, the administration has granted 85 small refinery exemptions, effectively waiving over 4 billion gallons of demand for biofuels. Over the last year, the U.S. Department of Agriculture has reduced its estimates for corn used in ethanol by nearly 229 million bushels. Our farmers are already struggling due to low prices, uncertainty with access to export markets, and erratic weather events that have caused planting and harvest delays and yield losses. The continued abuse of small refinery exemptions is contributing to the declining economic conditions in rural America. On October 15, 2019, the EPA announced the details of a supplemental notice of proposed rulemaking. These highly anticipated details fell short of the solution to properly account for waived gallons that was originally promised by the President on October 4, 2019. The proposed supplemental rule fails to account for actual waived gallons by instead using a three-year rolling average of volumes that the Department of Energy recommends. The EPA has continually exceeded the DOE's recommendations on waived gallons, and there is no guarantee that this proposed rule will reopen biofuel plants and restore integrity to the program. The biofuel industry supports hundreds of thousands of rural jobs across the country. This administration's failure to uphold the renewable fuel standard has already led to the closure or idling of more than 35 ethanol and biodiesel plants, leaving rural America further behind. To ensure certainty to the marketplace and uphold congressional intent of the renewable fuel standard, We encourage the administration to properly account for waived gallons by using the three-year rolling average of actual small refinery exemptions and to increase advanced biofuel volumes for the 2020 compliance year. Our environment, farmers, and rural communities depend on this corrective action. Thank you for your consideration and comments. Sincerely, all the congresspeople that were on that letter. So, let me know what you thought about today's podcast and send me an email to biofuelsdaily at gmail.com. Lastly, if you could please subscribe to my podcast and leave a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening, and remember to always go green.